your house is on fire and you can only grab a couple things, what are you grabbing? You're grabbing your kid. <laughs> All right, that's a good move. Not everybody would do that. <laughs> I don't mean Jacob, I mean their kid. Right, Jacob? Gotta have Jacob. Tyler, what are you going to grab? Hurry, your house, your room's on fire. Your sunglasses, okay, good. Whatever it is you would grab, obviously we'd all grab different things because uh, hopefully you've thought this through, right, a little bit, like if uh, that were true and happening, there's some things that you might want to get out of there. Those are, those are called critical things, right? Things that are most important to us that we really would rather not live without, things that we hold dear to us that are important to us, maybe papers, maybe pictures, maybe lots of different things. Uh, that we would grab. Those are critical things that we would want to grab. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about going into this new year. It's New Year's, 2019, January, and it's almost like, where are we? What is the date? <laughs> 27th. Wow. The month is gone. Wow, that's just like that. Yeah, just like that. It's gone just like that, man. But uh, so as we move into this new year, there's some things we want to bring with us that we don't want to leave behind, right, that are really important to us. And that's what we're talking about, these core values that are important to us as a church. And they're important, they should be important to us as individuals, like believers. And we've talked about prayer, right, having a heart cry of prayer to God. That's something we don't want to go forward without is prayer, a heart of prayer for God. And last time we talked about the living word of God. Right? We don't want to go another day without bringing the Word of God with us. And the Word of God is Jesus. The Word of God is His written and revealed Word. And the Word of God is the breath of God, the living breath of God in us. And we don't want to go forward without those things. Amen to that? I mean, isn't that what you're going to grab and put in your bag as you go? Faux show. Sure. All right, good. Okay. Faux show. Sure. All right, well, there's one more thing uh, we're going to talk about today. And that is this. It's a great core value going forward, 2019, and that is the gift of belonging, the gift of belonging. How awesome is that to know that we can belong? Because there's a lot of people in this world that, that have no home. I was talking to Juan uh, Cortez, who's our missionary buddy in Mexico, lives in Matamoros. Juan's in a wheelchair, Juan does ministry in the prison, Juan does ministry to men, Juan preaches. Juan is an, an incredible saint. Uh, but he was telling me, I was asking, asking him, he calls me every uh, about once a month and we talk. By the way, if you're that, that anonymous donor that keeps giving for Juan, thank you, thank you, thank you, appreciate you. Uh, Juan appreciates you more than you will ever know. Whoever you are, you know. Uh, but anyhow, Juan was saying, he was, I was asking him about the refugees, you know, that are, have come through Mexico. He said there's 5,000 more of them on their way, new refugees coming through Mexico, belonging, right? That's what they're after, isn't it? Really, in the end, they, they don't belong, they don't feel like they belong where they are, and they're going, they're on a journey to come to America so that they can feel like they belong somewhere. Belonging is huge, right? We all want that need to belong. We all have that need to belong. And, and, and belonging is what we want everyone to feel like here at this church, is that you belong, that you have a part in this church, that, that it's about connecting people first to Jesus, 
right? Because that's the first one person we need to belong to, and then to the body of Christ, to each other, right? So they can work together to serve the Lord, to reach more people so that they would belong as well, right? This is not just about like matchmaking people in belonging, but truly allowing people to come into the body of Christ and be a part of it, like be equal, like making room for them, valued and eternally connected. And the scriptures like give us some really good illustrations as we read through the Bible about this idea of belonging. There's three specific illustrations that have come to my mind that demonstrate God's plan for belonging. So you begin to think about what those might be. The first one is this, is in marriage. We see it in marriage, Okay. And, and more than what we think. In marriage, we, we come in a, in a husband and wife relationship. We come as close to the relationship that God wants to have with us as individuals than we will ever come. The intimate love that two people share in marriage is as close as we'll get you know, to the relationship that God wants to have with you and with me, right? God's design, a man and a woman, and what God has joined, right? Let no one tear apart. That's the, the, the sense of belonging in marriage that God wants us to have, not just with our marriage partner, but with him. And so marriage is a humongous illustration of what it means to belong to God how closely God wants you to be with him. In fact, he said the two will become one. That's the, that's the intensity of the oneness that God wants to have with us. So we're in Ephesians chapter 5. Go there if you would, Ephesians 5. And Paul writes this passage of scripture about marriage, but he tells us what he's really talking about, what Jesus is really talking about, and it really is marriage, but it really isn't marriage. And that's what brings us into this thing, all of us, whether you're married or not. He says this in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's how it all begins right there, right? That we submit to each other because of our love for God, because of our respect and our honor for God. Verse 22, wives, submit to your, yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. In the very same way. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. So notice in this, as we get reading through it, the connection between a husband and a wife and Christ and the church, because that's the, that's the belonging intensity that God wants us to kind of understand. Okay, notice that. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. How awesome is that? That that's Jesus' goal for us as the church. That's his goal for you and me as people. That we would be holy and blameless unto him. That our relationship, that he would, that, that, that he would do everything that we need done to get us as close as we can get to him. Like, because we can't do this. We can't make ourselves holy. We can't make ourselves blameless. We can't erase what's separating us from him. And so he does it 
Not so much for us and us alone, but so that we can get closer to him because he is so holy and so pure and so, so, so true and so right. And so he does what we're unable to do so that we can have this intimate relationship with him. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed it and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. The intimate belonging relationship that God wants to have with you and me is so intense that he compares it and he designs marriage to be a liken to it. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty intense. Verse 33 says, however, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. It's a picture of belonging. The church as the bride of Christ, he's talking about the church. He's talking about belonging to him. I mean, that's how much Jesus wants us to belong to him. Not just to each other, which we do because we're in him, but he wants us to have this close, intense relationship with him as well. You and I are closely loved. You and I are closely protected, were accepted. He came, he was sacrificed, he died for you, like for you. That's how much he wants you to belong to him. Marriage, marriage is, check out this quote somebody once wrote, marriage is an ongoing vivid illustration of what it costs to love an imperfect person unconditionally. The same way Christ has loved us. I mean, that's, that's exactly what that's all about, is that Christ loves us so much that he would come and die for us so that we could belong to him. And we stand here, we sit here this morning full of thanks for that, right? That, that God loves us that much, that he would do everything that he could to bring us into a relationship with him, that we would belong to Christ because of Christ. That's, that's a big amen to me. Second thing is this, this whole idea of uh, belonging. We see it in the scriptures in marriage, but then secondly, we see it in the idea of being grafted on. You know, when you think about being grafted on, something that is grafted on to something else, like uh, in horticulture, it's a technique or a process where tissues are joined together so that they, they become one. The two actually become one again, even though they start off different, right? That's, that's insane. This, 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 there, we see it in the medical field as well, right? When they do skin grafts or, or, and they graft the skin into places where maybe somebody has been burnt or there's scarring or there's a, uh, an outside issue and they have to take skin from one part of your body and put it on another part of your body. It's called grafting. And this idea of grafting is, is, is really kind of crazy. If you think about it, anybody ever do any grafting? Anybody own a bonsai tree, maybe? Okay. Bonsai? Anybody watch Karate Kid? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about then. 
So this idea of grafting is, is really cool. And there's, just, there's lots of techniques in grafting. You can graft in different ways. And, um, and one of them is called the whip. It's called the whip uh, technique of grafting. It's kind of cool, I think. Because it, it brings two things together that weren't together. And so you, you, you start with the, the main root or the main tree, right? And there's branches that come off of it. And any good farmer uh, or gardener will trim away the bad ones, right? The ones that are dying, the ones that are not producing fruit get trimmed away in hopes of new ones growing. But when you graft something on, you take a, a branch from another tree and you, you actually put it onto a branch that once was there that you cut off and now you graft it on. And this, this idea of, um, of the whip is cool because it's like a Z. If you, and I don't know if you've ever seen a, a tree branch that's been grafted, but it's like a Z because it, it's like they, they cut the, the tree on an angle and they put a little groove in it. And then the other one has like a female groove and it fits in like this. And then they tape it up. And the two, the, the juice, right, the juice from the root and the sap of the tree actually makes its way on through there. And that new grafted branch becomes a part of that tree. And they take that tape off and it's just like new. It's almost like a bone has healed and the bone is stronger than it was before. Anybody ever break a bone? I didn't break a bone. Cole, you have? Yes. Did your mom do that to you? So this idea of grafting is kind of, uh, it's unique, uh, right? It's, it's, it's this, like, this crazy way that two things can become one that would naturally seem impossible. It's like, like in a forest, if there was this, you know, every once in a while you see this, this uh, picture of this forest and there's this really big tree out there in the middle of the field and it's huge and it looks awesome and you just want to go stand underneath it, you know? It's one of those pictures. And then there's all these little trees that are like looking at it wishing they could be a part of it, but they never will be, you know, right? But, but in grafting, the impossible can become possible. How in, how, like, like those little trees could never belong to that big tree, but wait. Yes, they could. Through grafting, right? So in Romans 11, if you look at Romans chapter 11, Paul talks about this idea of grafting as it relates to belonging. It's, it's, amazing what, what he says here in, in Romans 11, beginning of verse 17, and he's talking about the Jews, and he's talking about the Gentiles, right? There's the Jews who are naturally part of the tree. The root system is Jesus. He is the life of the tree. He's going nowhere. He's solid, he's deeply rooted, and he is going nowhere. And the natural branches are the Jewish people. And, and things happen along the way that allowed for the Gentiles to be grafted on. And how amazing is that? Romans 11, if some, verse 17, Romans 11, if some of the branches, I'm just going to jump in the middle here, have been broken off, the Jews, because of their unbelief, have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, that's, that's us, wild children, the Gentiles, Right, and that idea of wild olive shoot is means that we're we're excluded, we're unproductive, and we have been like outsiders looking in. We were the little trees looking at the big tree, going, "Wow, wish we could belong to that," but we couldn't until Jesus have been grafted on. Right, those those wild olive shoots have been grafted on in among the others, and now share 
in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Let me just say that again, because that sounds so cool. And now, that branch that was grafted on now shares in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Wow, that's you and me. We were out, and now we're in. Like we were without the sap of the nurturing olive root, and now the olive root sap can run through us because of what Jesus has done. Verse 19, you will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off. Why? Because of unbelief, lack of faith. So that natural Jewish tree that stood so beautiful, John 15, Jesus cuts off branches that don't belong, that are unbelief or unfruitful or, or no longer obey. And they get, they get taken away so that, so that the Gentiles could be grafted on, you and I, granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God, get this, if God did not spare the natural branches... He will not spare you either. And so on one side of this, we're like, God, you are amazing. The impossible has been done. We can be grafted onto you, the, the root of that nourishing sap, and we could be a part of your kingdom, but we dare not do it in arrogance, right? Or in any kind of pride as if we deserve it or we can earn it or we've done something to gain it. Right? This is, this is, you know, he says, you know, like we all, Jew and Gentile, we all are going to answer to God. Every one of us, right, are going to stand before God. Doesn't matter if you're a theist, a Gnostic, or an atheist. We will all stand at the foot of God and we will give an account for what we believe and how we lived our lives. Just because somebody doesn't believe in God does not mean they're not going to stand before him. They will stand before him. And then he says, have been broken off because of their unbelief. And John 5, 2 says Jesus removes them, right? He removes them, right? So there's this, this sense of conditional belonging that I want to just touch on, you know, this idea that, that to belong to Jesus, there is condition. Okay, now that stumps us a little bit. I think we, we think, wait a minute, whoa, God, God's love is unconditional. We just sang reckless love, right? God will do anything for me. He'll chase down robbers for me. He'll climb the highest mountain for me. He'll break down walls for me, right? Won't he? Yeah, he will. He is the God of unconditional love, right? And the gospel is for everyone and anyone, red and yellow, black and white. God wants all of us in his presence, right? Every tribe, every nation are invited into the kingdom of God. We can all come. The invitation is for everyone. The gift of salvation, the opportunity to have a personal relationship is truly for all of us. We can all come. We're all invited. Like the luncheon today, you're all invited. All invited. The only condition to coming into, for that chicken, right? The only condition for coming in is that we respond to God. We have to respond. Not everyone's going to heaven, right? Those who respond to his invitation 
come in, right? And it's, and it's not on our terms. I don't get to come up to God and say, God, I have a plan, and this is how, you know, I'm, I'll come to you if you, you know, allow me these things. That's not how it works. It's on his terms, right? So we believe in him. We confess him as Lord. We accept him. We repent. We're baptized into Jesus. Those are his terms. That's how we respond to him. And we come in. And anyone is welcome and invited to come in, right? Anyone. The NFL, uh, NFL, the Rams and the Patriots play in the Super Bowl. I know, it's a sore subject for many of us. Actually, for all of us, probably. <laughs> Except for Cole. He's got his shirt on. Gronkowski fan over there. StubHub, if you want to go to the Super Bowl, 2000 $395 will get you in the gate. You can get a ticket for $2,395, and you can go see the Super Bowl. I can't afford that. But let's just say the ticket was free. Let's just say I got a free ticket. Cole bought it for me, gave me the ticket because he loves me, and he wants me to go cheer on Rob Gronkowski. And so I get in, and halfway through the game, Cole, I go running across the field because I just want to like, go crazy. Right. Cole, what's going to happen to me? Don't do it. <laughs> Cole, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to get tackled by probably six bodyguards, maybe karate chopped by a couple players. And I'm going to get escorted out, thrown out, and I'm going to be banned from any NFL stadium from then on, right? That's what's going to happen to me if I do that. And they probably will give my seat freely to somebody else to come in because now I'm out. See, it's one thing to get in. It's another to stay. It's another to remain in him. See, there is a plan or there is a way to honor and to follow our God. And in the kingdom of God, we choose to follow the king. He's the king. I am not. His truth, his will, his way. Coming in is free. Jesus paid it all. Costs you nothing except to respond to what he has done for you. He purchased us by his blood. I'm not good enough. I can't earn it. I can't buy it. I can't do enough things to get in. And so it's free. God's grace is free to all of us. He, his love is reckless when it comes to going after all of us. He came from heaven to earth on a rescue mission for everyone. But once I come in, I come in under his conditions. Remaining in him is a two-way relationship, and it's based on him, honoring him completely his way. And it's a good thing it's his way, because if it was my way, it would be messed up. Yeah. Like if I got to make the call or we got to make the call, we would make the wrong call, because we don't think of everything and everyone. Only the God of all creation, who's all-powerful and all-knowing, would know what we need most and what we need best. Amen. He's God. He's the creator. It's his house. Have you ever had a, an ant farm? Anybody ever have an ant farm? You know, those little plastic dudes, you know, and you throw a bunch of ants in there and some dirt, and they make tunnels, and you're like, oh, look at these dudes. And they're looking out at you going, what is that thing? You know, an ant farm. Could you imagine an ant climbing to the top of that thing, standing on the top and going, hey, what are you doing? What kind of dirt is this you're giving us? Here's an Italian ant. Um, you know, so, <laughs> you know, could you imagine the ant telling the, the, the ant creator, like, what to do? 
we just watched the uh, video up there uh, um, about, about that very thing, that, that like we're the canvas. He's, he's the artist. The canvas doesn't tell the artist what to do. Right, Cole, right? Tyler, right, right, right. right. The, the canvas doesn't tell the artist what to do. The canvas just receives whatever it is the artist wants to do. And we're blessed because of that, because the artist knows best. He knows best, right? There, check out this slide. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this once. When Jesus calls a man to follow, he bids him to come and die right? He bids him to come and die. Die to everything in yourself. Die to everything about you. And if you don't, if you don't die to self, this will not take, right? It won't take. The, the nurturing sap of the root will not make its way through that branch if you don't die to yourself and completely surrender to the, the, the root and the tree that gives life to all the branches. We must come and we must die to self, right? The miracle of grafting allows us to belong. It allows us to belong to Jesus and everything he's doing. That nourishing sap gives spiritual life to our dead soul, right? To our dead soul. Some translations say the root of the fatness. That's what that is. That's like, that's like the, the juice of God running through us, right? The life of the tree is there. The eternal, enduring spirit of God flowing now in you because you've surrendered to him. What a powerful thing to belong, right? What an amazing thing to belong. What God has done so that we can belong. And we see it in marriage that, that close unity, and we see it in this idea of grafting on that God loves every one of us because we're all Gentiles, and we've all been grafted on. We're the branch that doesn't belong, but we do belong because he includes us. He's made a way for you. He's made a way for me. And the third thing, the last thing is this. We see it in evangelism, right? We see it in the whole idea of evangelism, right? The, the extravagant love of God, that he would leave the 99, or that he would leave heaven and come after you and me. So we talked about Wednesday night. Steve taught about the, the, the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. And, and, and the thing that they have in common is that three things were lost. And when they were found again, there was this humongous celebration broke out, right? That this coin was found, this son was found, this sheep was found. And so they, were, they came home where they belong. And that's why the celebration breaks out, right? When a sinner gives his life to Christ, all of heaven rejoices. Why? Because just like that coin, and just like that sheep, and just like that son, someone was lost, and they found their way back home. Belonging is, is not just for me and you, right? How awesome it is that we've found, been found, right? That God called us back to himself and we responded to his love and his grace and now we're found and now there's others out there that are lost, yeah. right? And if we don't go help find them, we have not taken root. The sap isn't running, right? We've got to let the, the flow of God run through us so that other people will come and be found. That's what Jesus meant when he said, go into all the world in Matthew, 8, uh, Matthew 28, right? Go into all the world. Why can Jesus say go into all the world? Because he went into all the world. He did not consider equality with God something to hang on to. 
He left heaven. He came to earth. He went into all the world. And now he calls us. Go into all the world. Why? To make disciples. To baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And he promised that he'd be with us to the very end of the age. See, the, the, the call to go, to go evangelize the world, to bring the gospel to the world, first came to us, first came to me. I was lost. I was a sinner. I was outside looking in. I wasn't even looking in. I wasn't even, didn't even know where to look. That's the problem with being lost. You have no direction. You have nowhere to know where to look until somebody helps you begin to look in the right direction. And when you begin looking in the right direction, then you could find the truth. But blessed are the feet who carry that truth to the world. Right? That's what evangelism is, is taking the gospel, the very thought that God reached out to me, you know, to you. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Right? God's precious son, Jesus, who died on a cross. We just came around the table to celebrate the fact that he died and was broken and his blood was poured out all over the earth for you and for me. How well, how gruesome and cruel we are to the Son of God. And we crucify Him every day when we deny Him. We don't live for Him. We don't honor Him. But He extends that love to you and to me. I was lost in my sinful state. He came running after me, chasing after me, drawing me into Him. And what God asks you and me to do for the lost, Jesus did for you. And me, while we were yet sinners. Evangelism. Evangelism is going and telling other people about this, this life that you can have in Jesus, that people can be grafted onto the kingdom of God. Elizabeth Elliot is a missionary to Africa. You may have heard of her. Her and her husband, Jim Elliot, were missionaries to, to Africa, Ecuador, and they brutally murdered Jim on a mission trip to Africa. How did Elizabeth respond to that? She went back to that tribe and for years shared the gospel with them. That's intense. We would not do that. We would not do that. We would say, that's it, I'm done. Forget it. We would not go through that intense pain and sacrifice to reach a group of people that just brutally murdered our family. Never. But she did. She did. She did. And she wrote many books. You might recognize some of the names of her books. Shadow, Shadow of the Almighty is one of them, Through Gates of Splendor, she wrote. Twenty books in all. Love has a price tag. And it does, doesn't it? No graven images. And be, be still my soul, she wrote. Be still my soul. And she said this. Get this. Check out this slide. Missionary a friend of mine once said, and this is Elizabeth Elliot who said this, things were simple before I went to Africa. I knew what the African's problem was, and I knew the answer. But when I got there and began to know him as a person, things were no longer simple. Isn't that the truth? It's, it's not going to be a simple task to go into all the world and reach the lost. It's not going to be easy. And we can't do it the way we've done it over the past hundred years. That is not going to work. We live in a different world. And it's not going to be simple. But like her, we have got to figure it out. We've got to figure out what it's going to take to reach this next generation. 
of young people, right? Of families, of kids, of people. Bringing them to camp is one of those ways that they're going to hear the gospel. Take a kid to camp, get him away from his technology for, for, for a week, and he might hear about Jesus for a minute, right? I couldn't believe it. Last Wednesday night, Kelly was here, and she brought some kids with her Wednesday night. I must have, I must have punched in our Wi-Fi code on three tablets and four phones. These kids are in elementary school. I couldn't believe it. But that's the world we live in. If we don't change, we'll die and so will they. We've got to change what we're doing if we're going to reach the world. In Jesus' prayer in John 17, he said that they would believe through the message, right? That the message of Jesus and the gospel would be taught in such a way that people would respond by believing, not running away, right? So we've got to do whatever it takes for people to hear it and believe it. Then Jesus went on to say that the world would believe that you sent me, <laughs> right? That's what the gospel is, is us sharing the good news with people so that they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I got to tell you, that's a struggle with our own kids. That's a struggle with our own kids right here in this church because of everything going on in their world. I'm not sure we're winning that battle. We've got to do more. We've got to do more things. We've got to be more creative in how we go about this. In the story of the Good Samaritan, remember the story, the man brings the guy who is beaten to the inn, and he leaves him there, and the man was willing to do whatever it took to care for the guy who was hurt. Remember that? Whatever it takes, we'll do it, and I'll pay you when I come back. That's what he said. And the sower, the sower who's sowing seed, remember, he's willing to throw seed everywhere. The rocky place, the rock, the hard ground where the birds are. He, he's just throwing seed. He's like, wherever it might grow, I'm going for it. You know, it's just going to go everywhere. And I hope people respond to the word of God, that seed that's planted everywhere. Paul said, I become all things to all men, that I might win some, reach some. And God wants you and me to belong, but he wants others to belong too. Right? He wants others to belong. So the question for us is, church, the call is for us to reach the lost really at any cost. That's the cost. That's the, that's the call. Go reach the lost no matter what it takes. Bring the gospel to them. So the question for us is, what are we willing to do to reach them? What are we, you, me, what are we willing to do to reach them that they might belong Good question, right? Would you go? Would you go read at Grove Park School to a, to a kid, to a preschooler, for an hour a week, hoping maybe something might happen, seed might be planted, that might grow later. Would you Would you serve a meal at Allied Ministry once a month? Think you could do that? What are you willing to do? Would you go on a mission trip to Haiti this spring? Really go for it, like go big? I say go big or go home, right? Would you come help with a group of 50 people or so are here for karate every Tuesday night? Would you help there? What are you willing to do? What am I willing to do? What are we going to do? Would you step up and teach some children about the Word of God on Sunday mornings at 9.30? Would you do that? Would you? 
I know, I'm, I'm talking to all of us here. What are you willing to do that the lost might be found and belong? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? What has God called you to do? Just do it. Father, we love you so much. You're so good to us, God, and, and we belong because of all that you've done for us. We belong to the kingdom of God, the greatest, the greatest body of people ever in all of the universe, that we are your children, we are your sons, and we are your daughters. And it came because of what you did, because you left heaven and came on a rescue mission for us so that we could belong to you, that our sins would be clean, that our, our lives would be washed new, and we can be born again in Jesus. God, you did that for us. We could not get to you in any way, shape, or form. You did that because you love us. And I pray, God, that our love would, would come close to matching that intensity. That as you brought us together as one in marriage, we would see how much you love us. That you grafted us on, God. That we would see all the extent of your love. That you would do whatever it takes to bring us in. That you have sent people in our lives that planted seeds in our hearts that grew, and we responded. And we're here today because we love you. But most of the world doesn't know you. Many of our neighbors don't. People in this little community right here where we are today, they're lost. God, help us to ask ourselves, what would we do? What extent will we go? Break our hearts, God, because we know it's breaking yours. Snap us out of our little haze. Snap us out of our little ruts, our little world, our little small thinking. Snap us out of thinking that we got to do things a certain way. All that really matters is that people know Jesus. That they hear the good news. That they respond to you. Father, somehow I want to be used in, that way, in, in some way. And I pray that all of us want to be used in some way that you can reach somebody while we're still on this earth, while we still have chance, while we still have breath. God, we just love you so much, and we, we do want others to love you too. Help us to get up and go. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.